Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, as the 2018 World Cup is getting closer, we ask, when will an African team win the World Cup? Will it ever happen? No African team has ever gone beyond the quarterfinals, so will one team go all the way one day? We get the thoughts of fans in Ghana. I think it will take a while. Can you put a time limit to it? Maybe not in our generation. Hopefully our children will come and see it happen. And as Yaya Toure leaves Manchester City, we ask where he might go to next. That's coming up later, but first, the group stage of the 2018 CAF Champions League is underway and there was an exciting game in Group C between the winners of the last two editions as Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa drew 1-1 with reigning champions Widat Casablanca of Morocco in Pretoria. The next games are coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday, although Sundown's game against Horoya of Guinea has been postponed by a week as Sundowns are going to play Barcelona in a game that's part of South Africa's commemorations of Nelson Mandela's centenary, a hundred years since his birth. Elsewhere in the Champions League, in Group A, there was a nil-nil draw between eight-time champions Al-Athli of Egypt and Esperance of Tunisia. In Group B, TP Mazembe, the five-time champions, were 4-1 winners over former champions Entente Setif of Algeria. And in Group D, newcomers and Babani Swallows of Swaziland did really well to draw 1-1 away to Zesco of Zambia. As I say, the next games in the Champions League are on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So our main focus this week here on Planet Sport Football Africa is on the question, when will an African team win the World Cup? Brazil legend Pele once predicted that an African team would do it before the year 2000. And while Cameroon reached the quarterfinals in 1990, Pele's prediction didn't come true. In 2002, Senegal, with the likes of El Hadji Jouf, reached the quarterfinals, losing to Turkey in extra time. And then in 2010, it was so painful as Ghana played Uruguay in the quarterfinals. And in the dying seconds of extra time, Luis Suarez cleared the ball off the line with his hand and Asamoa Jan crashed the resulting penalty against the crossbar. It went to a penalty shootout with Ghana losing and a golden chance for Africa to get to the semi-finals of the World Cup for the first time was wasted and the whole continent felt the pain. Giants Nigeria have never got beyond the second round. Ivory Coast have been to the World Cup three times and went out at the group stage each time. Uh, so Solomon, when do you think that an African team will win the World Cup? Well, uh, Steve, to be honest with you, I don't see any African team winning the World Cup anytime soon. So I cannot really give you a timeline uh, because I don't see any African team that is really close uh, to winning the World Cup as yet. And uh, in a continent where you have so many great football in nations, you don't just need one isolated team that you would put all your hopes in but you need to have a couple of them maybe three or four you know like you rightly mentioned we've seen nigeria not really going beyond the second round uh, since they made their debut in 1994 and they only missed uh, one world cup event afterwards and we know how great a football nation nigeria is with the players 
So you begin to ask yourself, what is really wrong? We've seen the golden generation of the Ivory Coast team. We did the Drogba, Yaya Toure, Kolo Toure, and the rest of them. And they, they never really made it. And we've also seen, you know, Senegal, which for me, I felt after their 2002 performance, I thought they were going to come back strong and build on it. But since then, they, they've just been absent and they've been really disappointing for me. That's the biggest disappointment. I thought that 2002 performance was going to inspire a huge a new generation that would really perform very well. So uh, would any African team win the World Cup soon? When would an African team win the World Cup? I don't really see that. I don't really see that in, because of a lot of reasons. Do I see Egypt making it all the way? No, Egypt is just still in the process of rebuilding. Uh, and even after the World Cup in 2018, I don't think the next three, four editions would be uh, one for Africa. I don't really see us uh, really doing that. And, and that is really very disappointing. Yes, well, gloomy, but uh, realistic. Now, when you look at some of the African teams that have been at the World Cup, you'd have to say that many have underachieved. Nigeria in 1994 with the likes of J.J. Okocha and Wankwa Kanu, Ivory Coast in 2006, 2010 and 2014, and Ghana in 2010. Yes, a lot of uh, African teams have really underachieved. You know, Nigeria in 1994 did well you know, and played some great games against Bulgaria, Greece, and lost to Argentina before losing to Italy uh, in the second round. Uh, so, and Ivory Coast, we've seen how, how much, you know, a lot of hope. And now they're not even going to the World Cup in 2018. And we also saw Ghana. Ghana also, from their performance in, in Germany in 2006 and, and got into the quarterfinal in 2010, which is a great performance. And they're also missing. So we, we have quite a lot of uh, inconsistency with the quality that a side like Ivory Coast had had in the last 10, 12 years, you would expect that the quarterfinal stage would be appropriate for them to achieve. Even Nigeria. Nigeria should be the team that should be knocking on the door uh, of, the, of the semifinal. And also Ghana. Yes, well, let's get the views of fans in Ghana. Erasmus Kwao in Accra has been asking people there when they think that an African team will win the World Cup. Um, when we have put our, our backrooms in order, when we have done proper development, selected the right kind of players, put them through the right kind of training, oftentimes we're always like we're depending on players born on other uh, foreign soil, when instead of doing homegrown development, most of the teams that have excelled, and I will cite Germany and Spain, most of their players play in Germany and in Spain. I think it will take a while. Can you put a time limit to it? Maybe not in our generation. Hopefully our children will come and see it happen. I think in the next 15 years, I guess, in the next, within the next 15 years, African nation, like I said, with proper planning, can take up the cup. What would it take in the next 15 years for that to happen? All back to planning. Okay, you see, football is full of uncertainties. And looking at how African players are progressing in Europe, I think a time will come an African nation can win the World Cup. So I'm tipping 2026 if Morocco is lucky to win the bet. And I'm predicting that maybe this year maybe we can get to the semi-finals. And from 2018 to 2026, football will be advanced. I don't think any African country can ever win the World Cup. Uh, the reason is, let's say the Western world um, are doing things in a good manner to change the game. 
Those the thoughts of football fans in Accra, Ghana, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Erasmus Quell. Uh, so our question on the show this week is when will an African team win the World Cup? Solomon says it's not likely to happen anytime soon. Uh, some of those fans are also very pessimistic, with one saying it will never happen. Let's get the views of our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Uh, what do you think, Stuart? Well, Steve, I'm not convinced it will ever happen. And before you stop listening to me, let me explain that I don't think that's a terrible shame for the continent of Africa. There have been 20 World Cups and 200 countries have been trying to win it since the year 1930. And only eight nations have succeeded. Brazil five times, Germany four times, Italy four times, Argentina and Uruguay twice each, France, England and Spain once each. You will notice that all the winners are from Europe or South America. Another interesting statistic is that six times, or 30%, the winners have been the home nation, playing, obviously, uh, with a massive advantage. England and France, for example, have only won playing at home. Now, there are often shocks in the World Cup, like North Korea beating Italy and getting to the quarterfinal in 66, South Korea, when they were hosts, getting to the semi-final, and of course in the last World Cup, Costa Rica shocking everyone by finishing top of a group which included England, Italy and Uruguay when most people expected them to be bottom. But if one is honest and realistic, none of the small countries who have done a bit of giant killing have actually looked like winning the World Cup. And if we discount Uruguay, whose two victories were 60 years ago, every team which has won the World Cup it's from a country of 40 million or more. Now, there are only 10 African countries, I think, of approximately that size. And so, while it is wonderful for a Cameroon, a Togo, a Senegal, a Tunisia to play in the World Cup and indeed pull off a shock or two, I think winning the World Cup for countries like that is probably not a realistic possibility. So then, uh, Stuart, what would you say it takes to become a World Cup winning team? Well, Steve... I'm sure it's no coincidence that all the eight countries who won the World Cup are large countries. And you know, five of the last World Cups have been won by a European country, Germany, Spain, Italy, France, all of which have got strong leagues and most of their international players based in their own country or nearby. Those players are playing week in, week out in a tough European league and also in the Champions League, probably. Compare that with the situation of any African country whose best players are playing in Europe and these days possibly in China, which makes it really difficult for the coach to get a squad together for a weekend. The other advantage of size is the strength of the squad. At the moment in England, there is a great debate about which of four or five goalkeepers who are playing regularly in the Premier League will be selected for the England World Cup squad. Now, has any African country got four or five goalkeepers playing regularly in one of the best leagues in Europe? Take the case of Cote d'Ivoire, who did so well to qualify for the World Cup in 2006, 2010, 2014, with Didier Drogba and the Tory brothers at the heart of that team. But the problem for Cote d'Ivoire was that they needed 11, if not 22 players of the calibre of Drogba and Colo Torre if they were going to make an impact on the World Cup. And the reality is that many of their squad were playing in, say, the French second division, a big step up. 
Mo Salah is arguably playing as well as any football player on the planet at the moment. So does that mean that Egypt will win the World Cup? I don't think so, because Salah has been brilliant, but he has benefited from having Sadio Mane and Firmino alongside him, Jordan Henderson behind him. Have Egypt got players of that quality to support him? And even if he does score, have Egypt got the defence to prevent Russia and Uruguay from scoring one or two more? I think that is the problem, strength and depth. And there's also the question of training facilities, coaching, medical backup and so on. This may seem harsh, but I think it's realistic to say that no African country comes close to the infrastructure that someone like the German Football Federation has developed over the years, which is partly why they've been so successful. Yes, thanks to you. And uh, so just finally on this, Solomon, what do you think it will take for Africa to go up a level at the World Cup? I think there are a lot of factors involved for any African team to be able to get to uh, win the World Cup because, you know, you first have to get the right players. And, and to be honest, Africa is blessed with so many great players across uh, the world. Uh, but, but sometimes we get a lot of political intervention. You know, we get a lot of power politics. Uh, we get players that are going to the to play for a country in the other World Cup, but they're not supposed to be there. They're there because they have some sort of political connection. We also need to deal with the way we prepare. African teams, for a lot of them, we don't prepare well. We, we prepare what we call in Nigeria a fire brigade attack, where you, you prepare just before the event and we also need to be able to make sure that uh, you know the players are motivated and uh, you know we promise them bonuses much bonuses before the tournament and we make sure that they are paid before the tournament so there's quite a lot of factors from admin factors to logistic factors to uh, getting the right uh, formation also studying our opponents and really getting to the right opponent and and really making sure everything is is well done every part of preparation is really taken care of and not just to go there and expect magic. No. Yes, preparation and organisation, so important. Thanks very much, Solomon. Uh, This week on social media, we're asking for your views on this big question. When will an African team win the World Cup? Indeed, will it ever happen? Give us your thoughts uh, on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media, and on last week's show we heard from Ryan Harrison, a British goalkeeper who's played in England, South Africa, and of late here in Zimbabwe. Like many others, Harrison believes that the technical ability of African players is greater than that of European players, but that Europe has had more success because of better football education in coaching and development. So last week we asked, why do you think that Africa's not going further with these talented players? Uh, let's uh, kick off with a voice note uh, from the Gambia. Here's Mbia Jeng. We have young players who we know they can make it, but when you don't have support, as from the technical side, the coach, and then others, 
it always affects the players because a player also do you can play you need to be advised when you advise you will able to rectify the mistakes well, thanks there to Mba Jeng uh, on what's up along Badgie in the Gambia says in as much as Africa has talented players we are still lagging behind this is because only a few of our coaches have the opportunities to be educated compared to the Europeans a Katenga Ija Godfrey Allen is in Uganda. Africa is the hub of talent, but we are underutilized, says a Katenga Ija. The reason is that most talented children come from countries which are poorly stricken. The development of talent has never been prioritized, which means that many of our talented children fail to develop their talents. David in the Gambia says we have the talent, but we have bad coaching, a lack of football materials and bad pitches. And Asil Tucker, also in the Gambia, says for African talents to succeed and to go further, we need to put more premium on sponsorship and funding on all facets of football, such as coaching courses, the opening of football academies and the overall development of the game. To Malawi and Alfred Mdimba says, Africans indeed have talent. I agree with Ryan Harrison to say that it's down to a lack of good coaching abilities. But to add to that, many Africans believe in juju to help them. Alfred referring there to the use of supposed uh, supernatural powers. Meanwhile, Thompson Piri in Zambia has identified another reason, uh, saying, yes, it's true, uh, Ryan Harrison was right, and uh, just to add another thing uh, is money. African players think they always have a target of things to achieve, but once they attain their target, they lose concentration and stop working hard, says Thompson. Lamine Sambu in the Gambia feels there are two key issues here. The main problems, says Lamine, are a lack of loyalty and poor management, planning and control of a project. I'm sorry to say this, but we behave hypocritically. Africans have natural talent, but the lack of support is costing us. Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi feels that money is part of the problem. Most African players play football to become rich, not because they love the game with all their heart, says Patrick. Once they find enough money to boast about, their standard goes down, and that becomes their downfall. And another point is that discipline among African players is also a problem. Let's go to another WhatsApp voice note from the Gambia. Here's Ebrima Kante. Yeah, the playing surface is terribly poor. Look at the Gambia, for example. They play on, on ground, this sandy pitch. Yeah, it's nothing like the facilities are just, are just poor. And I believe... Most of the African countries are, are like that, and that's the problem. But the, the, the talent is there. The talent is here more than in Europe. That's Abrima Kante there saying that a poor pitches are a problem, and Andrew Jasse, also in the Gambia, uh, agrees, saying the reason why young talent in West Africa is lacking is due to poor infrastructural development and the human resources required to take these God-given talents to a higher level. Andrew adds that African talent can only be nurtured through discipline, dedication and hard work. This doesn't mean that we don't have the talent. We have plenty of it, but we don't know how to nurture it. To Zambia now, and Mwinga Mainbolua says that Ryan Harrison is right. A lack of tactical and technical expertise from the youth system in the African setup, and even at club level, is what hinders us most. Funding, too, is an issue, as most of the talented players find it hard to make ends meet, as is evident in their upbringing, and as a result, this also plays a part. Uh, but, adds Mwinga, with time, we shall get there. 
Babukar Jaju in the Gambia says, For us here in the Gambia, we have so many talented young players who are dreaming of becoming professional footballers. But the main problem is we need better facilities, finances, and we also need encouragement. Samuel B. Koroma, also in the Gambia, says African football lacks many things, including technical ability and academies. There's also the issue that no team plays as a team. It's just individuals showing their self-ability. Caroline Matope in Malawi says a lack of resources is one of the problems and a lack of guidance is a problem too in Africa. We Africans don't take football as our work. We just take it as pleasure, says Caroline. Barang Sane in the Gambia says, I think that Ryan Harrison has answered it all. The development process of young players is a big task for Africa because the coaches don't have the technical know-how. And we shouldn't forget about the bribery and corruption in Africa too, says Barang. And a final word on this, a voice note from Cherno Jallo in the Gambia. Africa is home to great talents, but the lack of good football academies, poor infrastructure, good football agents, and more importantly, players struggling with low wages are some of the factors hindering the progress of the beautiful game in Africa. And more importantly, these are some of the reasons why Africa is not going further with all these God-given talents. Well, a lot of good points there. Thanks to Cherno Jallo. Thanks to everyone who contributed on this issue. Uh, this week on social media, we're asking for your views on when will an African team win the World Cup? Indeed, will it ever happen? Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, go onto our Facebook page. You can post a comment there on Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. When do you think that an African team is going to win the World Cup? Well, let's turn our attention now to the English Premier League, and our European football expert Stuart Weir is still with us. Uh, Stuart, the English Premier League season ending this Sunday, and after the midweek games, most of the key issues have been decided. The final Sunday of the season is the only weekend when all games kick off at the same time, so that no team can have an advantage of knowing how their rivals have done and what they need to do themselves. This year. The final day lacks some of the excitement of previous years, as we already know that Manchester City are champions, Manchester United and Tottenham are in the Champions League. The only top-of-the-table issue is whether Liverpool or Chelsea will get the fourth Champions League place. Liverpool at home to Brighton will confirm their Champions League place uh, with a win and effectively with a draw, as Chelsea would need to win by 16 goals away to Newcastle to be better than Liverpool's goal difference. Chelsea can only gain the fourth spot if they win and Liverpool lose. At the bottom of the table, we already know that Stoke and West Bromwich Albion are relegated, along with either Southampton or Swansea. But as Swansea are three points behind Southampton and nine goals worse off in goal difference, it's odds on Swansea being relegated. One interesting thing that has happened this year is that Brighton Hove Albion, Huddersfield Town and Newcastle United, the three promoted clubs, all survive in the Premier League for a second season. This is only the third time in 25-year history of the Premier League that this has happened. Uh, the last time was 2011-2012 when QPR, Norwich City and Swansea City survived. And who would have put money on Brighton and Huddersfield particularly surviving and how well they've done? 
And Stuart Ivory Coast legend Yaya Toure said goodbye to the Manchester City fans on Wednesday night. Yaya Toure is one of the outstanding African players to play in the Premier League. He's played over 200 league games for Manchester City, scoring 61 goals. But you could ask the question whether he'd stayed a little too long. Now, this season, he had not started a Premier League game until his uh, farewell appearance this week. His outstanding season was 2013-14, when he was without question the outstanding midfield player in the league. As well as his general play, he managed 20 goals that season. He also has a knack of scoring vital goals. For example, in the FA Cup final in 2011, and you can actually go back to the semi-final, because in that semi-final, Manchester City beat Manchester United 1-0, Yaya Torre scored. And in the final against Stoke, 1-0, Yaya Torre scored. But in the semi-final against Manchester United, at 0-0 at half-time, Torrey felt that some of his teammates were not giving everything. And he stood up in the dressing room and said, go out and play like men. Something he always set an example of. And it's easy to forget now, as we look at all the success of Manchester City, that the 2011 FA Cup win was the new Manchester City's first trophy. And you cannot overestimate the contribution Yaya Torrey made to achieving it. In an interview this week in the Times of London, Torrey said there were things he was not happy about. He said, maybe when I'm retired from football, I will have more respect because I've not had the respect I deserve for what I've achieved. What he achieved, in his own words, was to put Manchester United in the shadow. The last eight years have certainly seen the balance of power in England and in Manchester shift, with Manchester City now the dominant club. He said, when I came to City, for us to be a big club, we had to put Manchester United in the shadow. And he certainly did that. In a gesture that will certainly please him, Manchester City have now decided to name their training pitch after him. A lasting legacy. So then, Stuart, where do you think that Yaya Toure might go to next? Uh, I wonder if it might perhaps be somewhere like China. But uh, Chelsea legend Frank Lampard said in a BBC interview that uh, he thinks Toure is still capable of playing in the English Premier League. Well, he'd be 35 next week and he's hardly played this season. There's certainly big money available for him if he wants to go to China for a year or two or even to the MLS in America. But in that Times interview, he said, I want to play in the Champions League again, and my preference would be to stay in England. But it seems to me unlikely that any of the other top four clubs would want to sign a 35-year-old midfield player. So playing for an English club in the Champions League may be an unrealistic expectation. I'm sure he'd find mid-table Premier League clubs interested, but would he find playing for a mid-table club satisfying? And would the 35-year-old legs cope with playing 38 league games in a struggling team as opposed to playing with stars around him? I think at his best, he was a dominant player driving forward, driving his team on. Whether the legs can still enable him to play like that is a big question. Incidentally, he did reveal who he regarded as his toughest opponent, the Manchester United and former Chelsea midfield player Nemanja Matic. He said with a joke, I hit him, but it was fun to play against him. He was very difficult. He's powerful. He can run. He can track. 
he can fight. He's a really good player. A nice tribute from Tori for Nemanja Matic. That is indeed. Uh, so we'll see where Yaya Toure ends up. And uh, Stuart, finally, uh, what else caught your eye? Steve, in my tribute to Arsene Wenger last week, one thing I could have mentioned was the number of red cards that happened on his watch, you might say. Because in Arsenal's game this week, the 116th player got a red card. And I think that is something which probably doesn't reflect terribly well on Wenger. Incidentally, Arsene Wenger normally wears a tie on match day. And in his final home game, a boy in the crowd held up a sign saying, Arsene, may I have your tie, please? And at the end of the game, Wenger duly walked over, took off his tie and presented it to him. What a nice gesture. Another thing that caught my eye was a statement by the Leicester City manager, Claude Puel, who said, if you sack me, you will regret it. I thought that was a rather interesting case of someone getting his retaliation in first, warning them not to sack him. Finally, Steve, we've talked a bit about women's football in the programme this year. And last weekend was the English Women's FA Cup final. The game was played at Wembley between Chelsea and Arsenal, with Chelsea winning 3-1. But what was most remarkable was that the crowd was 45,000. Women's football has really come of age in England. That's very encouraging uh, for women's football there. Well, thanks very much uh, to Stuart Weir in the UK. That's it for the show for this week. Uh, So from Stuart, uh, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and myself, Steve Vickers in Harare, thanks so much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.